Welcome back to React Native Radio Podcast. Normally I get about six seconds to make these stupid jokes, but because of inflation, I'm going to require eight. Episode 247, Revisiting Common Complaints About React Native, five years later with Hodim Miller. The other day, my tractor actually had a weird bug. And I'm wondering if it's something that can I can I do a weird bug about my tractor on this on this program or is it is allowed? it built in JavaScript? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't everything these days? I mean, I feel like it is. It's a 2012 tractor. I'm pretty, I'm pretty maybe, sure everything is. Maybe it's in JavaScript. Like, I think you need an upgrade. The right. Tesla tractor. It's probably in like ECMA. You should 3. get the Ooh. you should get the M2 tractor. <laughs> uh, let me tell you about the weird bug. So. I was having this weird thing where, well, okay, it all kind of coincided all at once. So it really, really confused me because you know how the worst bugs are where there's two bugs that are interacting with each other. And that was what was happening. Yes. So first off, I had a hydraulic leak. So it was leaking underneath my tractor. And I uh, I had my buddy come over because all the tractor repair places were just like jammed. They couldn't, they couldn't, it was like six weeks out. So my buddy who is pretty handy, pretty good. He's not a mechanic, but you know. He works on his own stuff. He came over and he replaced all the, the hoses and stuff and got it working again. When I went to use it, it, it was working fine for like a few minutes. And then all of a sudden, like the bucket, you know, the front loader just started going really slow, like super slow. Like it would still work. It still had plenty of power, but it was just like in super slow motion, which made it really, really like awkward to, to use. I was trying to move some dirt back and forth, fill my my flower gardens and, you know, get things kind of like leveled out and stuff. And it was so awkward because I just have to sit there like with the with the lever forward waiting for the bucket to come down. I was like, what is going on with this thing? And then I would like leave it sitting for a while, not not running. And then I come back and start using it. It'd be fine. It would just work just fine. And then a little while later, it would all of a sudden, like immediately just go really slow. It was like slow motion. I'm like, what is I don't know what's going on with this. Such a weird bug. So I was just kind of like, well, and I asked my buddy, he didn't know what was going on. He's like, I don't know. Is there any, are there any leaks? You know, check your, he had me like top off the hydraulic fluid, make sure it was all, nothing worked. So I was like, okay, um, I'm going to, I need to do this project, uh, cause I needed to, I've got these like French drains and I needed to clean them out and, and, uh, get ready for winter. Cause basically they've been a little bit slow to drain. So I was using my tractor and it was working pretty well, but going kind of slow uh, to kind of dig these things out. Then I left it for a while and then I came back and it was working fast. I was like, okay, cool. Maybe I can, you know, go for a while. And I was going for a while with it working just, just perfectly. And then I, I looked behind me. I noticed that the three point hitch, which three point hitch is like the thing on the back of the tractor that can lift like the implement on the back of the tractor up and down. It's like three, three arms that go up and down. It was kind of, it was lower. It was like, it was like drooping and I'm like, oh shoot, well, I'll, I got to lift that up. So I just reach over to the lever like I do all the time and I pulled it up and it came, it, you know, pulled it up. So it's not like dragging in the dirt or anything. And immediately my bucket's slow. I'm like, Ooh, wait a minute here. <laughs> this seems related. And what I figured out was that the three point was like going up to the top and then continuing to try to go up which was like taking a lot of the hydraulic power away from the, from the loader. Mm. Okay. So just by dropping it by one inch, it stopped doing that. It was just like, okay, I'll just sit here mm -hmm. and everything worked fine. So 
that's my weird bug. I, you, I can't lift the, the three point all the way to the top. I have to leave it like an inch down <laughs> so that my loader will work how it's supposed to. You really put your debugging yeah. skills to work. I, it, I, this is like, it's been happening for like two weeks. And I just noticed that uh, every time that it would go slow, it was because I was lifting that three point, which tends to kind of droop down mm. because it's old, you know, like me and things tend to droop <laughs> when you get old. <laughs> why, why are you laughing like that? Robin? Todd's going to have fun <laughs> with that one. I guess I should get to intros. Um, <laughs> I'm Jamin Holmgren, your host, friendly CTO of Infinite Red, tractor driver, all those other things. I'm located just north of Portland, Oregon in Vancouver, Washington, and I live there with my wife and four kids on three acres. I'm joined today by my first class co-host. I've always wanted to travel first class. Not business class? Uh, it says first class here, so I got to roll with it. <laughs> Robin and Mazen, and we do have a guest as well who I will introduce in just a bit here. Robin Heinz is a senior software engineer at Infinite Red. She's located west of Portland, Oregon with her husband and two kids and has specialized in React Native for the past five years. Mazen Chami lives in Durham, North Carolina with his wife and baby boy. He's a former pro soccer player and coach and is a senior React Native engineer also here at Infinite Red. Our guest today is Hodim Miller. Uh, Hodim is the Jamie Foxx of JavaScript, according to his Twitter bio. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> He's from Kingston, Jamaica, and is a software developer at Smart Mobile Solutions. Before that, he was a mechanical engineer. And it says here that that you blew things up for two years. Uh, apparently, you did demolition of some sort. Yes, I did. I did blasting in the quarries. Yes. In the quarries. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that is... a. Uh, that is an interesting job. That just sounds like the yeah, <laughs> the no kidding. Job. Yeah, just uh, just blowing things up. Um, this episode is sponsored by Infinite Red. Infinite Red is a premier React Native design and development agency located fully remote in the U.S. and Canada. If you're looking for React Native expertise for your next React Native project, hit us up at infinite.red/slash/react-native. By the way, did you know that we have a new sponsor coming? Ooh, <gasps> we do. What? Are we gonna leak it? Nah, I'm not gonna leak it. Are we gonna? Are we gonna, We're tease, not gonna it? tease it? No. Come on, tease it. Do it. Oh, do it. I, this, this is, is kind of teasing. teasing it. Make sure, make sure to keep tuning in right. to see who the who It'll the, new sponsor the credits is. at the end. <laughs> <laughs> you got to listen all the way through. <laughs> That's mean, Mazen. That's mean. Uh, but there are there there is a cool thing after the credits, so you should still listen. Uh, but yeah, uh, there is going to be a new sponsor. I I can't I can't like I really want to like it, but I can't. Um, yeah, just just stay tuned. Keep keep listening. Hit that subscribe button. Go hit that. Uh, what review like give us a review hey i never asked for reviews i never asked for reviews everybody has to acknowledge that you have to go give us a review though we don't have enough reviews on itunes on spotify other places like that let's let's do that don't forget to mention that you heard about us through the react native radio podcast okay let's get into our topic for today the title is revisiting common complaints about react native five years later hodim wrote an article called what's hindering react native now and he kind of went through and found a bunch of common complaints from like four or five years ago and wrote them out into an article. First off, Hodim, what, what sort of caused you to write this article? I, I'd love to hear sort of what, what the impetus was behind that. Okay, well, for me, you know, I've been using React Native for some time now, and I really liked it because who doesn't? And I was wondering, what is it that is stopping this thing from becoming more popular, right? So. I went all the way back as far as I could, and I dug up every complaint that I could find. And as I was going through the complaints, I recognized two things. One, that there were 
common patterns among the complaints. And two, that I really could not relate to many of the complaints. So for me, this was an experience. Like when you're talking to friends of your parents, right? And they're telling you stories about your parents and what your parents used to do. And it's really confusing because it's like, are we talking about the same person? Like, this sounds like a complete stranger. <laughs> I've never met this person in my life. <laughs> and I was just having this experience with React Native. So I was saying, okay, if I'm going through this list of complaints and I'm not connecting with many of them, then what are the issues that are stopping teams and developers from using React Native today? So that was the motivation behind the article. So I know you mentioned that you were a mechanical engineer. When you shifted into software engineering, can you give us a little bit more about your background? Like what led you into React Native? Did you start off with React Native? Okay, so I fell in love with software development by accident, right? So what happened was I was getting some agricultural data by email in Excel sheets and PDF documents, and they were coming each week, you know, in discrete samples. And I didn't want to pull up every single Excel document and extract all the values manually and then do, you know, calculations. So I said, you know what? Computers are pretty smart and they're fast. <laughs> so, so I'm going to get my computer to do this for me. So my first project was actually based in Python. But then after a while, you know, you, you stumble around, you say, okay, I want to make this into a website. Then I want to make this into a mobile application. But when I said, okay, let me make this into a mobile application, Java for me just looked way too bulky. So I was like, nah, there's no way I'm going to be using this. I knew some JavaScript and after doing some Google searches, I came across React Native, never heard of it. But they said you could use JavaScript to write a mobile app for both Android and iOS. Now to me, that was the coolest thing ever. Right. So that's basically how I came across React Native. That's cool. That's such a common, it's such a common like experience that a lot of software developers have is that like they had a problem that they needed to solve. And they're like, why am I doing all of this when a computer could do this for me? And that's how they <laughs> like got bitten by the, the software bug, as it were. That, that's awesome. Uh, and it sounds like one of the things that surprised you was reading through these, these complaints. Uh, you were like, this doesn't sound like the React Native that I know. Exactly. I'd love to get into it. Let's just go ahead and dive into some of the things that you wrote. And, and they do, I read through these, these do, they do hit. Like these do mm -hmm. feel like, I mean, we were around back then and, and I remember this. Uh, so the first one is that knowledge of three platforms is sometimes required to implement custom features. So how do you give me a little uh, kind of your thoughts on that? And then I'll ask uh, Mazen and Robin as well. Okay, well, you know, the, these developers were saying that sometimes to implement custom features, they would have to know about Android, they would have to know about iOS and React Native, which seemed like a lot of mm -hmm. work to just implement one custom feature. Now, personally, I could not relate to this because I have never had to drop down into Native since I've started using React Native. Never, never once? once. Wow. I've never, never yeah. had to do it which to me speaks to yeah. the maturity of the ecosystem. I have a similar experience, I'd say. Um, there's so many, A, there's so many libraries that dip down into native for you that just plug into your app and you don't even have to think about what's happening on the native side beyond like installing CocoaPods or whatever. Um, and it, I mean, there are some, depending on your desire to 
like very finely mimic what you can do on the native side, then you may be dipping into native more, but it's, it's really optional. Like there's so much you can do without touching native. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the only time that comes to mind that I had to dip into native, there is a, there was an app I was building and we needed to pull Apple health kit data. And for some reason, mm. workouts were never pulled. And every PR that did pull it, for some reason, was naming workouts as samples. So it just seemed a little bit off for me. So that's one one times when I dipped in, got you know my feet wet with Objective-C, and I think it was a little bit of Swift at the end, and got workouts pulled into my own branch, uh, my own fork of uh, the Apple Health Kit workouts. And that was probably the only time I had to do that. And I think if that package had actually maybe just merged that PR, could have just gone with get samples as my workouts and gone from there. We had a client where our primary job was to rebuild. They had an app that was in Android and iOS natively. And our primary job was to duplicate it exactly in React Native, do exactly what it did, including all of the really subtle animations and gestures. And they wanted everything to be exactly the same. And that's where we sort of had to get into native more because maybe the React Native library for a particular feature didn't behave exactly like their Mm -hmm. iOS app had. And that's kind of where you start to have to get your feet wet with native. But if you're building an app and you have control over what it looks like and you are flexible maybe and like will accept what a library does, then yeah, there's no need. So I ran a Twitter poll because I was really curious about this one. And uh, I asked, you know, React Native developers, what percentage of your code is writing or editing native code, Java, Kotlin, Objective-C, Swift, C++ versus JavaScript or TypeScript? 72% said less than 1% native coding. I think that basically means none. I I said less than 1% because sometimes someone will go in and tweak one little thing that I don't really count that, you know, but like, Mm -hmm. like 72%, 20% less than 10%. So that means that 92% were less than 10% of their time was spent in any native code at all. Like it was just JavaScript and TypeScript. And then 8% more than more than 10% uh, of uh, native coding. So I, I purposely kept those percentages very low because I knew it was going to be low. I just wanted to see where the line was. 92% being below that very low line was like, okay, yeah, clearly uh, it, has, it has changed quite a bit over the years. And that all goes to what you said, Hodim, where... You never had to do it. And that is a very low number for, for an ecosystem that requires and needs a lot of native items. So it speaks to the maturity, like you mentioned, like React Native has come a long way. And there are a lot of people that, you know, probably touch it more than 10%. And those might be the maintainers of these big, big libraries that we use on a daily basis. Um, so we have them to thank for that. Let me jump to the next one. Uh, it is heavy investment in bridging infrastructure may be necessary to implement custom features. So this one sounds pretty related to the, the previous one, Hodim, but um, give me your thoughts on, on this one. You know, to be honest, I'm not sure what exactly the complaint was referring to because I believe I pulled mm-hmm. this one from an article written by someone from the Airbnb team. So, oh, yes. Okay. So I'm not sure <laughs> if they were referring to the work yeah. that was done to implement the legacy architecture. Mm-hmm or the work done to implement and integrate native modules. So I'm not really sure what exactly they were referring to here. Yeah, to me, it sounds a lot like the previous one, which is uh, basically having to 
um, write some native interfaces to be able to allow uh, custom features within, you know, with, within React Native. And at this point, Airbnb is pretty infamous for the the issues that they had yeah. with React Native. And as time has passed, it's become pretty clear that they're they're pretty unique in the experience that they had, and and a lot of other companies have had success despite Airbnb's experience. I don't know if they'll disagree with me on this and take this the wrong way, but I think I think if they gave React Native a second chance, I think they would come back and be okay with all the issues they had. And that's just my, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think they should give it a chance. If they really are interested, I don't know. That's on them. But I think if they were to come back, that article would probably just go away. Well, and they, they've admitted that it was more like the internal structural yeah. issues at Airbnb that made React Native not the right solution for them, not necessarily things inherently wrong with React Native. I, I, we've talked about this before. Um, for sure, the whole Airbnb thing. Did we do a whole episode on it? I don't remember if we I, did a whole episode. I wasn't maybe we on did. the podcast. I can't then. remember now. I don't remember if we did or not. Um, maybe that was pre-us on the podcast. I don't remember. But we did talk about it in uh, Chain React and, and, and a panel. And there was definitely a lot of, you know, the, the reality is that um, you do need organizational buy-in uh, from people. And the, the technical issues, there are technical complaints about Infinite or I was gonna say infinite red. There are no <laughs> complaints about infinite red team. No complaints. Why would I say None. that? <laughs> Let's move to the next one then. Uh the animation and gestures tend to be non-performant. I've heard this one myself. Uh, but go ahead and kind of give your background on that one, Hoodin. Okay, so I feel like within that category, there were two things that were mentioned frequently. One was how difficult it was to implement animations and gesture handling and how non-performant it was. And for me, I can't relate to the part about the difficulty because even though animations were daunting to me at first, I found great libraries out there such as, you know, React Native Reanimated, you know, React Native Gesture Handler. Mm-hmm. You know, I think even Re- React Native's own animated API, you know, has made things fairly easy as well. Mm-hmm. So as far as the ease of use, I would say implementing animation are fairly easy these days. So I'm not sure what you guys went through, but for me, it's a delightful experience. As for it being non-performant, I have not experienced that in my day-to-day, you know, work with React Native. I find that React Native reanimated does a fabulous job when it comes to creating performant animations. Yeah, and I think uh, I think you know potentially the new architecture will help with this. Uh, we don't know for sure yet, but it, it seems like it will. Um, we've talked about React Native Skia before. I did a uh, a live stream on on React Native Live RN Live um, where uh, where we went through some React Native Skia stuff, which was really cool. There's other stuff like uh, like Lottie where you can do animations. Um, I think a lot of that was caused by the bridge and getting rid of the bridge is going to be helpful, but there have been a lot of solutions that have been, you know, uh, kind of created throughout the years to deal with this. And we don't really deal with a situation where the performance of animations and gestures is really, you know, top of mind. It seems like most of the stuff we do, it it doesn't seem to get in the way. Yeah. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast yeah, a lot. Yeah. I'm a, Huge fan of React Native reanimated, and I I feel like if you follow the docs 
correctly, I think you'll, you know, you won't run into any of these performance issues. We had Christoph Majira come on on React Native Radio 236 to talk about Reanimated 2 and 3. And uh, that's a good one to go listen to if you are interested in more on the animation side of things. All right. Another uh, thing on your article, Hodim, was implementing in-app navigation isn't easy. So give me a little more context on that one. Well, the essence of the complaint that I saw was that it was not easy to build a fluid and maintainable navigation flow for both iOS and Android, Hmm. right? I'm going to sound like a broken record. (laughs) 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 I cannot relate to these complaints, right? Yeah. Yeah. So whether it's (laughs) using React Navigation or React Native Navigation, I have not had problems with implementing navigation in React Native applications. Five years ago, when we first started doing React Native apps, we were still using React Native Router Flux, if I remember right. And React Navigation was the new kid on the block. And in the past five years, React Navigation has basically become Mm -hmm. the default. And it's like it is the gold standard. And it itself has come a long way since V1. It's on V6 now, something like that. And the API has changed a lot. It's, It's come so far. And I really don't find navigation to be a pain point anymore, but it is true that it was a pain point five years ago. Um, But we've really settled into React Navigation as the default and it works well and it does everything. Yeah. And and a shout out to Um, React Native Screens and the, you know, the people over in Software Mansion who are working on this stuff because that kind of enables that native experience that we've been looking for. Yeah. In-app navigation is something that I think it really does need to feel really good. It needs to feel awesome because navigation is oh, yeah. like it does. One of the most frustrating thing is when it's it's the backbone yeah, of your I have app. this app for like checking in and checking out of hockey games. So like, hey, I'm am, am I going to be there or am I not? They kind of need to know because I play goalie. Um, you know, if I'm going to be there, and uh, the the navigation is so janky. It's so weird. It makes no sense at all. Like I've learned it over the past three years of using this this app. It's called Bench App, but just you know, like you know, swipe from left is not. It doesn't work how you expect it to. It doesn't work. Like it, you can't go back. You have to go up and like hit a button. So at first, when you first said that, I thought it was going to be an app that you built for your hockey team because that is exactly something that you would do. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> In a good in way, a good way. like you, no, like you, were, you build. I, 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 like, I thought you were saying you, that I would, I would uh, implement your... a horrible navigation. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That you would build oh, an okay. app for your hockey team. I have thought to about solve it. a problem. Just, I mean, you've built you built an app for your family. You built an app for your church. Like that's what you you, you do that until you, until you said the navigation was bad. And I was like, Wait, okay, no, okay, no. Maybe, maybe it was do nicer you... than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it was horrible. It was. And you're like, oh, was, that's exactly what you would do. <laughs> I thought that until you said yeah, it was bad, right. and I was like, no, 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 there's no way. Well, do you know Do you know what it's built in? It's is native. it like some yeah, kind it's of... it's native for sure. It's got to be. So how did someone do that? Uh, it's possible to write bad apps in native. It's, it is. People, it really people is. don't realize this. <laughs> I, I've thought about it. It wouldn't be that difficult, uh, I don't think. It's just checking in and out. You do have to have a way to like, you know, notify people and, and you know, so all that stuff. Yeah. Firebase. I could totally write something <laughs> using Firebase or Supabase or something. Be kind of fun. 
Uh, so many projects. Um, so <laughs> I think uh, we can cross this one off as well. Uh, in-app navigation is eh, it's fairly easy now. It's not that hard. So, yeah. Your next one was uh, that there tends to be a slow initialization and first render time. Uh, Hodim, give me, give me your perspective on this. In my opinion, this sounded like a very general statement. So I don't think it's fair to say that every React Native app is slower than every Native app. But I think the key metric that this person was highlighting was the time to interactive, the TTI, mm. right? So they were saying that TTI or React Native application tend to be larger than the average Native app. I think upon doing some research, it looked like the Facebook team, you know, took this personal, you know, because in 2019, you know, they introduced, you know, the Hermes engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They stated right off the bat what this engine was built to address. They wanted to cut the TTI. Mm-hmm. They wanted to cut the memory consumption, right? And they also wanted to cut the bundle size. So I think the community will agree that, you know, upon using Hermes, they have seen considerable improvement in load time for React Native applications. So I definitely agree. If we're not all the way there as yet, we have made significant progress in the last few years to tackle this issue. I would also say it it also just really depends on the app. There's so many factors that go into your your TTI and it can be due to things that aren't related to React Native at all. I mean, it could be your API is slow. It could be your components aren't performant and there's there's tons of tools uh, out there. Flipper and React Native dev tools for one give you a lot of visibility into maybe what your slow components are and you can swap out things like react native fast image for your images there's there's a lot of tools uh, to help improve that metric as well i think that turbo modules is going to help with this as well because they they have the lazy initialization instantiation um so instead of like before what happened with native modules custom native modules is everything would have to be initialized no matter if it was going to be used for an hour later you know it would have to be initialized as soon as you started the app where turbo modules lazy initialization allows you to uh delay that until you're closer to whatever it is that you need to do uh if there's a screen in your app that only gets used very very rarely but you need a a, a native module for that it gets initialized once you kind of navigate to that screen so um so i think that's another piece of this uh, so it is getting better but i do think that it's probably a valid concern uh, there's a lack of parallel threading or multi-processing support. I think that is a, a reasonable complaint. Hadim, what, what are your thoughts on that? To be honest, I have no thoughts on this one. I mean, I, I think from my perspective, um, obviously you can drop down into the, you can drop into the, into the native layer to get parallel threading, multi-processing support, but that's not how the JavaScript, uh, you know, engine works, how it's designed. Um, so, uh, now there are, there are some, there are some libraries out there that allow you to do this. Um, and I think that the non-blocking nature of JavaScript makes this, you know, pretty good. Not only that, but do the JavaScript, uh, environment itself runs in a background thread. So you're not blocking the main UI. Um, so I think there's some ways around this for sure. Uh, but it is something to keep an eye on. Another one, I'm going to have to move a little quicker here because we're, we're burning through time. Uh, it can be difficult to debug errors because stack traces don't jump between React Native and Native. Hodim, what, what are your thoughts on, on debugging errors like that? 
I guess for me, debugging is not, you know, a very frustrating experience, you know, because I came onto the scene probably close to two years ago. So when mm-hmm. I came, Logbox was already there, you know. It was introduced in 2020. You know, the Facebook team said that they redesigned the red box, they redesigned yellow box, and they really made steps to improve the logging experience. So for me, debugging is not a frustrating experience. I agree with you. I think, you know, Logbox and, and the red red screen have been helpful. I, for me, usually, you know, my, my first inclination is get something in like Firebase Crashlytics, use your DSIMs, get down to the root. Firebase mm-hmm. Crashlytics with DSIMs kind of literally will give you stack trace JavaScript errors specifically, and also anything potentially down native that you may have. So with that being said, you do have the visibility there. There, you know, There's some effort that needs to go in there to get that set up for you. But essentially, you can you can get to the root of the issue. I, I actually think this does need to be improved. Um, I, I feel like with a lot of the, the log boxes that I get, I rarely get useful backtraces. Just yesterday, I was pairing with Jamin. Yeah. And I got like the yeah, least useful R&B-U. Yeah, thanks. Ever. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're on our own. Um, so I do think this needs to be improved. It's actually one of my biggest complaints about React mm. Native. I, I don't feel like I get useful backtraces. Now, we have we have plenty of old school debugging ways to get around that um, for sure. But it would be nice if it would say, hey, here's your crash. Here's where you're crashing, you know, instead of like. Sometimes I think I think about when we were when I was a Rails, yeah. like doing Rails and like the, the error reporting in Rails was yeah. so good. You would get this like full screen error and it would give you this helpful but exactly to the right line <laughs> and then there was like an interactive REPL console yeah. where you could like see yeah see what your variables were it, yeah that's the standard yeah. that i'm measuring it against i i, I think uh, that's the big thing is like it depends how much you've used other systems where how much this bugs you um because there are other systems that that do a better job i think but it is it is improving there's a lot more tools now than there used to be uh, but i think this is actually a, a fairly Fairly accurate complaint. All right, here's n- uh, the next one. Uh, JavaScript is untyped. <laughs> if only we had a solution for that. <laughs> There's a solution? <laughs> There's a solution. Uh, we have a whole episode about the solution. Odim, uh, what are your thoughts on JavaScript is untyped? Well, the two main themes were, one, um, native developers just did not like dynamic languages. Yeah. You know, they just yeah. had a preference for type languages. But then there was also, I think, a more valid concern, you know, about type safety, you know, as you know, you're writing your native code, you know, type safety becomes a very big issue when it comes to using JavaScript. Um, so I guess, you know, as TypeScript, you know, becomes more, more widely adopted, this should become less of an issue, you know, as time goes on. Okay. Absolutely. I couldn't go back <laughs> to plain JavaScript. I, it's, it's laughable how much my productivity has increased. I, I remember when I was first developing React Native apps, TypeScript hadn't really come onto the scene yet. I would like, there was so much time that I would waste, like, like trying to be like, why is this, why is this not working? Why, like, what? And then I would run, I would remember to go like run our linter and it would find like, oh, I made a typo in this variable name or something. And I was like, TypeScript catches that as you're typing. Yeah. Yeah. TypeScript is amazing. The next one is React Native apps can have trouble rendering long lists performantly. And I don't think it's out as of this uh, recording, but we have an episode coming uh, talking about a solution for this. Uh, very, very, it's probably the one 
published be right before this or a couple before this. So uh, go take a look at that. Uh, I would uh, I would refer to it specifically, but I don't actually know uh, the exact uh, timing on that. Um, but long list. Uh, Hodim, what are your thoughts? Well, I think this really came down to the async communication between the JS and the UI threads. That's what it really boiled down to. But when I was digging into this issue, I came across a dinosaur component called ListViews. I think I saw Martin Shiver a little while ago. Okay. <laughs> but it was replaced by, you know, Flatlist and Sectionist back in 2017. And I've been using Flatlist up until this point. But I think earlier this year, Shopify open source Flashlist, you know, which I saw mm -hmm. generating a lot yeah. of buzz in mm -hmm. the community. So I just can't wait to use that component. Oh, yeah. Everybody's talking about it. Yep. So we did that art, uh, that that episode about Flashlist uh, with uh, one of the creators. So definitely check that out. It's going to be a good one. Um, and the last one in the article that you have is that the Android bundle size can be large. Uh, give me your thoughts on that, Hadim. Okay, I think this came down to the fact that Android does not have, you know, JavaScript core. I think that's what it's called. So JavaScript core had to be bundled in Android applications when they were written in React Native, and that made, you know, the application side much larger. So I think that this is an issue that is also being tackled by the Hermes engine, you know, because the Facebook team said that they wanted it to be small and lightweight. Plus, I think they gave developers, you know, the choice, you know, to implement whichever engine they so choose, you know, when they implemented the GSI. Yeah, and, you know, one thing is ProGuard. ProGuard pretty much helps with this big time. We, we did an episode, R&R &R 239, Shrink Your App with ProGuard, uh, where we interviewed James Hamilton, and you know, in that episode, you'll you'll see a lot of a lot of stuff there. So, ProGuard does a good job in shrinking your bundle, and then also as part of that episode, it kind of runs through and eliminates all the unwanted fluff that's in there, tree shaking. Uh, it's probably also worth noting this isn't React Native specific, but the Android app bundle publishing format is fairly new. I'm not sure if it was around five years ago, but uh, it's a lot more streamlined than APKs. So it's worth using that instead. We we did a an episode actually just before this one as well that where we talked with the the Gas Buddy team, which we've been helping. And um there's one incident where where we were looking at the uh the bundle size and saying you know like the actual like Android APK size. We're like, wow, this is this is really big. And then we realized that it was mostly native code that <laughs> was making it big. Yeah. And it was also not really ARM native code. It was like, you know, Gradle stuff. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of factors there and it's, it's rarely just as simple as well. You know, React Native itself is, is huge because when you first start like a, a bare React Native project, it's actually pretty small, but yeah, it's still something that can be mm -hmm. improved. Um, I do think ProGuard helps whatever it is that. Well, and they're also working on lean core yeah. to try and reduce the size of React Native itself as much as possible. So to kind of sum all this up, like there were a few complaints here where it's like, yeah, we're still working on that, but there's some some solutions. But for the most part, it's like, well, this isn't really an issue anymore. And these were the most common complaints. Um, one of the ones that I think probably could have been mentioned uh, as well is the upgrading experience, which um, is a little hit and miss still. Uh, there's still some times where upgrading can be a, a chore, but it's a lot better than it used to be. 
I remember when uh, the core team asked, you know, what sucks about React Native, uh, they got like the top, the top uh, reply was upgrading. And when they ran that same poll again, like a year later, after they'd addressed a bunch of stuff, uh, it was not, I don't think it was on the top 10 anymore. So they, they really worked on, on the upgrade experience. So it's, a mu it's much better than it used to be. Still could be better. Um, but for the most part, um, seems to be seems to be improving quite a bit. I think that's it for our episode. If you'd like to nerd out more about React Native, check out my twi Twitch stream at rn.live. Um, you can also join our Slack community, community.infinite.red. We have over 2,000 React Native developers in there. Check out the new Twitter community, rntwitter.infinite.red. Um, you can find Robin online at Robin underscore Heinz. You can find Mazen at Mazen Chami. You can find Hodim at HM Codes. Thanks so much, Hodim, for coming on and uh, talking with us about this. It was a fun journey to kind of look at the last five years. Thanks for having me, guys. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me at Jamin Holmgren and React Native Radio at React Native RDIO. Uh, as always, thanks to our producer and editor, Todd Wirth, our assistant editor and episode release coordinator, Jed Bartoski, our designer, Justin Husky, and our guest coordinator, Derek Greenberg. Thanks to our sponsor, Infinite Red. Check us out at infinite.red slash React Native. Make sure to subscribe. Go give us uh, a, a review on the your podcasting platform. Really appreciate it. Robin, do you have a mom joke to finish things off? Did you hear about that new band? 923 megabytes? No. They're good, but they haven't got a gig yet. <laughs> cut. Cut. <laughs> cut. <laughs> See y'all next time. <laughs>